Bibles are open to Psalm 27, there's a word in this passage we read uh, with Brother Adam that I, I want to speak to you about this morning. This is one of David's more upbeat psalms. There were some times that David was in a hard place in life, and, and uh, he is, he's crying out to the Lord for help. Sometimes he's in a low place, like when he sinned with Bathsheba and was confronted, and, and we see the anguish of his heart and the pleas coming out in, in chapters like Psalm 51. But Psalm 27 is all about praise. It's all about magnifying the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life of Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. And the whole psalm goes on like that as David is recounting God's goodness to him. Look at verse 3. He says, though an host should encamp against me, I'm surrounded by the enemy army, and the idea of a host means it is, a, it is almost an innumerable number of enemy soldiers. He said, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. And I, I like this phrase in verse three. In this will I be confident. You might want to highlight or underline that phrase. In this will I be confident. And I love the word Confident. It means secure. It means bold, not brazen, but bold. The righteous are bold as a lion, the Bible said. It, it means careless, not in the sense that I'm a bull in the china shop type person. It means that I, I don't carry my cares around with me. I've cast my burden upon the Lord. I've trusted him to sustain me. I I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And I'm free from the worry about, well, but what if and, and, and how and all of that. I've placed it all in the Lord. The peace of God that passeth understanding now controls me. And I'm living Philippians chapter four, be careful for nothing. That's what the word confident carries with it by way of meaning. I am secure. I have a sense of boldness. I am free from the cares and the worries that were weighing me down. Confident. In this, David said, will I be confident. He wasn't trusting David. He wasn't trusting David's army. He wasn't trusting anyone else in the world. He wasn't reaching out to Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He wasn't reaching out to Hiram, king of Tyre. His confidence was not placed in any of those things. His confidence was placed in the one who is his light and his salvation. His confidence is in the Lord. In this will I be confident. God wants us as believers to live confident lives. He doesn't want us running around like a chicken with its head cut off, like chicken little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. God wants us in the midst of this world's chaos and confusion to stand with a righteous boldness that says, my God is on the throne. Everything's all right in my father's house. My God will take care of me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And you realize a believer who has such confidence in the Lord will stand out like a lighthouse in the midst of the darkest night. David said in this Will I be confident? Allow me to give an illustration of how confidence changes things. 
haven't told you a gym story all day, and you need one. Several, probably two years ago, Sam began teaching me uh, some different things to do beyond just bell, uh, you know, dumbbells and kettlebells. He started teaching me how to deadlift, which wasn't a good plan at all for a long, long time. The other thing he taught me how to do was back squat. How many know what a back squat is? You put the bar on your shoulders behind you and you just squat down with the weight and I'm disappearing and you come back up again. The bar weighs 45 pounds. Now, I don't know what it's like for one of you that uh, has two legs. I, I never did it when I was like that. Uh, for me, I can only speak for me, uh, because of the fact that I'm missing an entire leg over here, putting the weight, just putting the weight behind me, I have balance issues on a good day. When I go to put the weight behind me, there's a tendency to keep going because this leg doesn't always stay as stable as it is. Um, I don't have to lift it. I have to get under the bar and lift it up like this. And then I have to take, for me, it's about two small steps back like this so that I clear the rack. And then and only then can I go down with the weight. I've got a couple issues with that. Number one is getting up and lifting up the weight and all of a sudden it's on me and it's behind me and I automatically have the sense of going backwards. So I've had to learn how to anticipate that weight and, and lean forward just a little bit and, and not too much because then I'll face plant with a bar behind my head and, and so forth. So that's my first thing is not letting the weight take me like this. Then the next thing is I have to take the first step back. And it has to be this leg. The physics of my situation, it has to be the prosthetic leg. Here's the problem though. When I lift the prosthesis up, did you see where it went? What did it do? Watch it again. I'm not making it do that. It's just what, Brother Warren, does that happen to you? Usually, so you see I'm telling the truth. So I got that issue. Now, when it does that, I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is. I, I've got weight on me now that's trying to take me backwards, and I don't know where my foot is. If it goes too far and I try to take a step back, I'm going down. And I'm, I'm, you can get hurt real bad like that. So I've got that, that issue, the weight trying to make me fall backwards. And the inability to know exactly where the foot is, and if I'm under heavy weight, Looking down is not always a wise thing for me to do. There's a lot of factors that are playing into this. Well, now that the, the, I'm not pledge allegiancing to the, pledging allegiance to the flag all the time, we're working towards my next powerlifting competition in January. So the, Sam just said, hey, how's your pain? I don't have any. Good, we're gonna go heavy today. Well, wait, no, I'm, I think it's coming back. <laughs> You know, um, and, and so uh, one of the things that we're doing, and I'm going somewhere. It's not just that I want to amaze you with uh, my strength or, or have you feel sorry for me. There's a, there's a point to my illustration. Um, after I do my warm-up uh, with, with either the bar or very, very lightweight, we do what are called a rack hold. And Sam puts weight on there that I cannot possibly squat. 
Um, usually it's 235 pounds or more. I've never squatted that much. 205 is the most I've been able to successfully do. So he'll put that on there and, and I have a mental process I go through and so forth and I get under the bar and I have to lift it up and all of a sudden I'm feeling that weight. Now, another issue that I got when I start lifting up, if you've ever seen me like in a pair of shorts, this is sort of like a running blade. It's like a giant spring. When I'm not under a lot of weight, it doesn't really move. But when I put 235 or 45 pounds in there, whatever Sam's put for the rack hold, when I get under the weight, it automatically takes this, this spring and this leg just sinks down into the ground. And if I'm not careful, all of a sudden I'm standing like this. And that's not going to work. So I'm compensating for all kinds of things. So I've got all this weight on there that is really trying to get me to go backwards. And I have to take that first step. And there it goes. I have to remember my leg's going to go out sideways. So I have to bring it around this way. But I can't look down like I just did. And then I have to settle into it. And here's the scary part. Now I have to lift my good foot up and all I'm balancing on is a little piece of carbon fiber, fiber about that wide. And I have to somehow get that foot back. Then I have to do it one more time. Um, rack holds are terrifying because if I lose my balance at any point in that, I've seen videos of what happens to people and how badly they get hurt. Last Thursday, we were, we were doing squats, and he loaded the bar up. Um, he said, okay, we're going to do two rack holds. You're going to unrack, take the two steps back. You're going to hold it for five seconds. Then you're going to go back and re-rack it. I'm going to let you catch your breath, and we're going to do it a second time. And um, so I'm in the process of everything, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm wavering on that that first step, that first step is the terrifying one. Once I've got it up, I'm secure. I get myself braced in that, but now I got to do this. And I know the leg's going to do that. And, and I know if it's in the wrong place, when I finally put weight on it and I can sense where it is, it, it's going to be a disaster. And Thursday, all those things are going through my mind. It's the most weight Sam had ever put. I, I, it was more than 235. And I had to take that first step back. And just as I did so, I heard this voice right here in this ear. I'm right here. I've got you. Usually Sam is standing off to the side and I can catch him out of my peripheral vision. But for the rack hold, he came behind me. He was so close to me that when I went to take the first step back, I touched him. And his head was literally right here as I'm going through all of that. And he said, I'm right here. I've got you. And somehow, knowing that if there was a stumble or if, if the weight was just too much for me and the legs started to go down and disaster was about to happen, knowing that all those things were possible, but Sam was so close that he was almost touching me and I could hear that voice, I'm right here, I've got you. It changed the way I took that first step. It put something in me called confidence 
And it wasn't confidence in my ability. It was confidence in the man standing behind me. David's saying, though an army, a host should encamp against me, though everybody comes to, to war against me, in this will I be confident. It will not be David standing, I can do this. Uh, you know, I'm all that in the bag of chips. It's just David saying, I know who's standing right behind me. I know who's whispering in my ear and he's got me. And that's why David could face Goliath when he was a young man. When he was your age, David had that kind of walk and understanding of God. David had that relationship with God. And, and when his, what his brothers took as, as naughtiness and arrogance and mischievousness on his part was none of those things. It was that biblical confidence. He told King Saul, he said, there came a, a lion against me. There came a bear against me trying to get my flock. And the Lord enabled me and I killed the lion and I killed the bear. And the same God that let me do that is the same God that's with me now. And this giant is no problem for the God that I serve. David wasn't bragging saying, look at me, looking, look at my muscles. David knew he was a kid and Goliath was a warrior, but he knew that his God was bigger than any giant the enemy could throw against him. That's confidence. In this will I be confident. In the book of Daniel, we see that uh, three of Daniel's friends uh, were about to be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar had an, an instituted an ungodly law. He built a 75-foot-tall golden statue out in the plain of Dora, called all of the people from his empire that worked for him, and it would have been thousands of people, and he had a giant orchestra, and he said, when you hear all that music play, you fall down and worship my golden image. But there were three men standing in the crowd that day, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that believed in the one true God. They, they believed in the word of that God. They believed that God said, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, nor bow down thyself to worship them. I am the Lord thy God. And they knew that, and they believed it. They also knew Nebuchadnezzar. They knew his wrath and his rage. They worked for him. And they knew that if they defied Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar would throw them into the burning, fiery furnace, just as he said. And they also knew that everybody else was going to bow. I wish I could have been there to see what it looked like. When that music started playing and suddenly thousands of people are rushing to drop to their feet. They don't want to be the last one down because they know Nebuchadnezzar's looking and there you just hear the noise of, of of thousands of people dropping to the ground at the same time you got this massive orchestra pray, playing and they're standing somewhere whether front middle back side three young men standing all by themselves they're not crying they're not trembling they're not even being in your face they're just standing because they worship the one true God and they're not about to worship an idol no matter how tall, no matter how golden. Nebuchadnezzar got word that these three young men stood and called them in and now all these people are watching. He said, I heard what you did. I'm gonna give you one more chance. 
I'm gonna let that orchestra know to start playing and when it happens, you bow down and worship my idol. If you do, everything's fine. All is forgotten and forgiven. But if you don't, this will be the day you die in a burning, fiery furnace. Listen to their answer. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful. Remember, confident means careless not filled with cares and worries and stress. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. They're not pleading for their lives. They're not asking, oh, give me a second chance. We'll fall down and worship your thing. They're not doing this. They're standing their ground. They are so confident. We are not careful to answer thee concerning this matter. Our God is big enough. That's an impressive idol you got out there, 75 feet high. That's a lot of gold and all of that. But our God made that gold. Our God can use your, your obelisk as a toothpick if he wants to. And our God is able to deliver us. And uh, they said, and, and he will deliver us. They even went on to say, if God chooses, uh, chooses not to let us out of the burning, fiery furnace, we're still going to escape you because we're going to heaven, dude. That's confidence. That's confidence. As we look through the Bible, there's some things God wants us to be confident in. Not in our riches. Not in our talent. Not in our, our ability. Not in our name. None of those things are good enough. God says, there are some things I want you to have an utter confidence in so that you're not worried lest there's a stumble because you know I'm right there and I've got you and I'll take care of you. I, I look through the Bible, several things. The first is from Psalm 27. I can be confident that God will always take care of me as long as I stay close to him. God will always take care of me as long as I stay close to him. Again, though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. I'm in verse three, though war should rise against me and this will I be confident. Notice how David goes on. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. David had a confidence that as long as he stayed close to God, God's going to take care of everything. That's why he's talking about uh, in the secret place with him. In, in his pavilion, in the house of the Lord, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Can I just insert a little time out here? David loved God's house. And we as Christians ought to love God's house. Did you know the Bible says in, in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 that the church is the house of God? I know that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're taught that. But God also said that the building, by the fact that we're here, and where two or three of us are gathered in his name, he's here. The church is the house of God. Shouldn't we as believers want to be in his house? And I realize sometimes sickness takes us away, but football ought to never take us out of the house of God. 
Whatever show you're binge watching ought not keep you out of the house of God. Nothing should. David said, I want to stay close to God because I'm confident. As long as I'm close to God, nobody can beat me. Psalm 91, please. Scripture song, I think we sang it Wednesday night. Psalm 91, verse one. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Brother Rob, can I use you for a moment? Just stand right there in front of your chair. Brother Rob is gonna be God. <laughs> I know I thought God would be better looking too, but hey. He's gonna be God. He's, he's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's omnipresent. He, he loves us dearly. Okay? We have a promise from Psalm 91.1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Let's think about this thing, secret place. Let's say that I'm over here and Rob wants to tell me a secret. What is it about secrets? It's something nobody knows except the person it's told to. So you got a secret. Can you think of one, something you wanna tell me? Okay, so I'm standing over here, share your secret with me. I didn't get that, did anybody get it? I can't read lips and half of his are covered up by a mustache, so I'm really having some trouble here. Okay, uh, tell me your secret again. I want to know the secret. What is this? Why can't I know the secret? I'm too far away. I'm too far away. There's a whole bunch of Christians that want to know what God is like, and they want to know how God works, and... They want to feel that sense of revival, but they want it on their terms. I'm going to live the life that I want to live. I'm going to talk the way I want to talk. I'm going to hang out with who I want to hang out with. I'll go to church when, I, when I'm good and ready, when I feel like it, but I want God to be real to me, and I want God to answer my prayers, and I want God to bless me, and I want God to protect me. It doesn't work that way. If I want to know the secret things of the Lord, he ain't moving. I'm the one that's too far away. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. I'm getting closer and closer and closer. Can you share your secret with me now? <laughs> Did you know what his secret was? God's got a great sense of humor. His secret was Carson didn't shower. <laughs> Next week, it'll be you, okay? You, you think of a good one, okay? By the way, I would have never guessed that's what it was because I thought God was nicer than that. <laughs> Listen carefully, David in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light, he's my salvation. I, 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 I have nothing to be afraid of. Though when host encamps against me, I'll never be afraid. In this, I'm confident. And he goes on and talks about, I just want to be close to him. I want to be in that secret place. I want to be in his pavilion and as long as I'm walking close to God like this, I have nothing to worry about. I have nothing to worry about. Be humanly speaking, very few people, very few enemies that I encounter are going to be bigger than him. So all I got to do is just say, talk to his hand, not mine. But my, eye, my God outshines them all. Problem is, 
we don't like to stay here. We like to do our own thing. We don't like to follow. Um, Brother Rob, as, as God, would you just start moving in a certain direction? I don't want to go there because stairs are hard for me. How, how many have watched me go down stairs? There, he wants me to go someplace that's hard. Now, I want to be close to God, but it's too hard. There, there's some fear. What, what, what if I fall? All these people will laugh, especially these five in the front row. They won't jump up to help me. They'll just say, let's see how many times he bounces. Right, Lincoln? You know it's true. You see, sometimes God leads us. We just don't like what he's telling us to do. We don't like where he wants us to go. We don't like the way he wants us to live. We don't want to give up that which he says, you should not have that in your life. We want to say what we want to say and do what we want to do and go where we want to go. And God's going to move and do his work. But if I say it's too hard or I'm too afraid, I'm not in the secret place anymore. And, and guess what? It's like me trying to put 245 or 265 pounds of, of metal on my shoulders and trying to take that step back. It is going to be fearful and guaranteed it's going to end in disaster sooner or later. I'm either going to get tired and, and, and this leg is not going to support things well. I'm, I'm either going to misstep because I, I can't feel it till it comes down too late. And when I drop my weight into it, bam, I'm going to go down and I'm going to be hurt. But when Sam's right there, when Sam's right there, I got a confidence that should I stumble, he's going to grab that bar and I'm going to be safe. So when God moves and I don't necessarily like it, I don't necessarily agree with it, what I have to do is realize the Lord will take care of me. Rob, could you come back here? Here's how, here's my best way to go downstairs. I did this yesterday at the Quad State Conference. Brother Jason Kurkevich helped me up and down from the platform because they didn't have any handrails. So here's my God, and he's going to take me in a place, and I'm looking. I don't like stairs. I've stumbled. I've fallen down flights of stairs bigger than this. Stairs are hard. Can we go another way? You, you need me to go there. So here's what I do. Where God steps, I step. And do you know what? I have more security going up and down stairs like this than I do grabbing a handrail. Our problem is we want to grab a hold of everything except God. We want to grab a hold of our ideas because we think they'll work better. Or we want to grab a hold of our friends because our friends don't see the point in following God and they don't see anything wrong. We grab a hold of so many things for support and I'm just guaranteeing you sooner or later you're going to go down. You're going to stumble. And if I stumble over here and he's over there, I stumble alone. David said, in this will I be confident. I dwell in his house. I'm close enough to hear his secrets. I don't have anything to worry about anything in life. Do you have that kind of confidence? This right here is supposed to picture my relationship with God. When he moves, 
I just keep it right there. I don't want a lot of distance between me and God because I can stumble real easy. Now, I'm grab a hold of him. If he was God, and clearly he's not, if he was God, God would have seen the stumble and it would have been God grabbing a hold of me. And that's, that's all I got to worry about. Am I close to God? Am I close to God? Am I close to God? Does that describe you? Does that describe you? Or does that only describe you when you're in distress and you've been out here doing your own thing and giving God second place, coming to church when you feel like it or, or serving God when you feel like it and letting sin in your life that you know is wrong, but you know, it's not, it's not hurting anybody, blah, 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 all the excuses we make. And then all of a sudden panic sets in because something's gone wrong. Oh God, I need you. Oh God, I need you. And yeah, that's the right thing to do as long as it's a real thing. Oh God, I need you. And God says, I'm glad to have you back home. My prodigals come back. My son is home. Let's break out the ring and break out the new robe and let's have the feast. And I'm, I'm fellowshipping with him and God takes care of me. Thanks God. And I'm off. Sadly, this is the picture of far too many people who call themselves Christians. That is not God's plan. I don't know why God wants to spend time with me. I honestly don't. I tease around about a lot of things, but I don't. I'm not very interesting. I'm not very talented. I'm very, very flawed. Yet the perfect, almighty, wonderful God holds out his hand and said, why don't you move from Lodabar and just come live in my house? I'll just, I don't understand why. I know the times that I've walked close to him are the best times. They're the best times. But sadly, there have been times when I've been there with him, and I don't know why. Maybe I just get too busy. Maybe I think I know more than God. Maybe he's leading me somewhere else. There's another flight of stairs, and that's not what I want to do. So God moves, and I stubbornly say, no. You can stop, God. I never thought I'd tell God what to do before. I don't know why I do it. Maybe you don't. But then all of a sudden, here I am, and I don't feel so close. He's going to share a secret, a nice one. He just shared a secret. I have no idea what he said. When you're not right with God, you have no idea what he's saying. When you're letting sin be a wall between you and God, when you're letting pride be a wall between you and God. God resists the proud. He shoves it away, gives his grace to the humble. He's got a, he just whispered a secret. I have no idea what he said. I'm pretty sure it doesn't involve you this time. And I can lament, I don't, I don't feel close to God and I don't understand everybody going to the altar and all of that kind of stuff. I'm not feeling God like that way. It is not God's fault. God led me and I did not want to follow. I had my way, I had my plans, I had my friends, and as soon as I can wake up and realize that, 
as David did in Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions and I get things right. Can you whisper the secret to me now? He said he loves me. By the way, God does. And you know what? I think sometimes that's the biggest thing God wants to tell us. But we're too busy doing our thing in our place and justifying it. Well, I'm saved. Okay, you're saved, but are you close to God? I have three more points to the sermon. How many know how many we're getting to? (laughs) Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. What is the greatest commandment in all of our Bible? What is the most important number one commandment in the Bible? To love the Lord thy God. How much? With all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Is that how we love God? We love our cars sometimes with more passion than we love God. We love our hard-earned money sometimes more than we love God. We love our friends sometimes more than we love God, and we give God a howdy. Yep, that's my God. Yep, he saved me. I'm sure glad of it. But God gets my spare time. God gets my spare change. God gets my leftovers. And I'm, I'm breaking the number one commandment of all time. That's the greatest commandment ever given. What he wants from me is for me to love him. Is there any reason why I should love God? Millions. How many are saved? How many remember the day you got saved? How, rem- how many of you remember what it was to be lost? And to have that conviction, if I died right now, I'm not going to heaven. I carried that burden in my heart from the time I was in fifth or sixth grade until I was 14 years old. I carried the fear in my heart that I was going to die and go to hell. I listened to what my Presbyterian church told me, and they just said, be a good boy. And if your good works outweigh your bad works, you might get into heaven. Didn't help me. I, I read about what the Mormons offered. I read about what the Jehovah's Witness offered as a fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade boy. I wanted to know because I was afraid of dying and going to hell. And one day, God in his grace caused my dad to lose his job where he was. He, he could only get a job of a similar nature 55 miles away. He drove that every Every day back and forth for a couple years. He never saw his family. He was gone before we got up. He was, he was home after we went to bed. And finally my family moved. Two weeks after we moved to Greensburg, Pennsylvania. Those ladies knocked on the door. Invited us to ride a bus. Do you know who orchestrated all of that? It was God. He saw a little boy that was afraid of dying and going to hell. And God said, I don't want you to go to hell. I've already made a plan. And nobody's going to tell you the truth where you are. So I'll do what is necessary to move you so that you can find me. And in August of 1972, I rode that bus to church. Somebody shared the gospel. I realized it wasn't me. It's God. My confidence wasn't in my church, in my good works, my good looks, my good name, nothing. It was what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary. I remember as clear as if it was this morning, the day that I got saved, and I became a child of God, and I still don't know why he wants me. Why wouldn't I love him? I have failed him more times than I can count and more times than I would ever want to share. 
And every time I've said, I'm sorry, he said, we're back. Every time. The just man falleth seven times and riseth yet again. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. And every time I've come back, and every time after I've come back, Lord, I'm really sorry about that. Sorry about what? Well, you know, what I was doing. I I don't know what you're talking about, Tom. I told you about it the day I came home. Oh, that, um, you need to understand how this works. When you told me about it and you asked me to forgive you, I did. And I wrote it all down on a little card, tied it around a rock, put that rock in a box, and I threw it in the depths of the sea and I, and I can't find it. Uh, I took the other things you confessed and, and uh, I put it on a piece of paper and then I tore it in half and then I threw them in each direction in a paper airplane and as far as the east is from the west, that's how far your sins are gone. I don't remember them anymore. Amen. Why would God do that for me? But I can't love him enough to come to church. I can't love him enough to read his word. I can't love him enough to listen to his secrets. I can't uh, love him enough to follow him. I can't love him enough to tell somebody else about how awesome he is. that's, That's not right. If you're looking for a reason to love God, I'm sorry, I don't understand. My Bible shows me All kinds of reasons to love him. Why? We love him because he first loved us. So the question today, do you have the confidence that David did that he expressed so well in Psalm 27? Though an host should camp against me, though mine enemies war against me, in this will I be confident. Confident. Because I know if I dwell in the house of the Lord where the presence of the Lord is, and I'm there for the secret of his pavilion, you're going to beat me. You're going to have to get past God first. Do you have that confidence? Thank you, Brother Rob. Get your revenge later. (laughs) Confident. Can I ask a question as we close this morning? How many are confident that someday when you die, you know for sure you're going to go to heaven? The Bible says in 1 John and, and, and that we can know that we have eternal life. How many have that confidence? Isn't that amazing? There are 8 billion people on our planet. Do you know that most of them have yet to hear the gospel to even make the choice? Can anybody here that just raised your hand, you know you're going to go to heaven when you die. Can you tell me what was so awesome about you that God wanted to save you? We'll wait. I don't know. I'm just glad he did. And a God like that deserves my allegiance. Come on back up. It is an insult to God after all that I've done to claim to be saved. Yeah, he saved me, but I'm going to live my life the way that I want. I'm insulting him. I'm insulting his love. I'm insulting the cross. I'm insulting the blood of Christ. The least I can do 
is get as close as I can. And what I find out, as close as I want to be, he's happy about that. Every step I take closer lightens his heart. He wants me right here so he can talk to me. You got the burden. You're going to fall. You got to make that first step, and there it goes. It's going the wrong way. And there's a sense of panic that sets in, but then all of a sudden, there he is. I'm right here. I've got you. I got some, somebody bigger than my trainer to tell me that. I've got someone bigger than my son-in-law. By the way, I love him too. I've got God. Amen. I'm an idiot if I'm staying over here. I'm, I'm just an idiot, and I've been an idiot. Where are you at today? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And this will I be confident.